We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Mike, and we are going to zoom out from the present day and take a trip down memory lane. Believe it or not, it is the 15-year anniversary of the 2009 championship, which, for my money, is the most underrated of the six Lakers titles since the year 2000, one of my favorite teams. And to help us do that, we have a special guest. He was the owner of an excellent mid-range jump shot, Always reliable when his number was called, ran the floor in transition well, mixed it up on the boards, really helped that team just have a really dominant group of bigs. It is uh, very much our honor to have uh, Josh Powell joining us today. Josh, thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, super humble, but it's a pleasure and I appreciate you both. I definitely look forward to this. Josh Powell. Well, you know, people sometimes ask me, questions about those old teams and this is when I first started covering the team my first year was 2008 and I was I think 26 years old not too far away um, from Josh Powell's age and people will ask me kind of what, what are some of your favorite memories of that team who is your favorite guy who's your favorite guy to talk to and, and people that know me such as Pete know that Josh Powell was my favorite guy um, from that <laughs> team and and or Josh people that that were longtime listeners or old time listeners to Jay Peasy's playlist back on the day <laughs> on Lakers.com, which is a, a podcast that I don't even know how many episodes we did. Maybe, you know, maybe like 10, um, including the hip hop draft with Shannon Brown um, that I that I won handily. Alas, Josh, it, you and I ran into each other. <laughs> We ran into each other. Well, Pete, they gave me, I had like Tupac, Biggie, and a Tribe Called Quest, I think. I might, I may even have, have had Wu-Tang, too. I'll let, I'll let Josh You were just get, the most ridiculously this. competitive guy about everything. But Anyway. But, <laughs> but Josh, we ran into each other at the scene of the crime last, when, when we were in Orlando, and it was like the, the most unexpected fun thing to see. So great to see you in this context. Uh, and um, all of the things that I said are, are just are 100% true, right? Absolutely, man. And, and it was crazy um, <laughs> when you spoke about it, like we had a chance to catch up and it's just being in that moment. And it was like so many memories, you know what I mean? From from that night, um, you know, a lot that <laughs> Mike reminded me of that I that I uh, 
did it really remember? Um, but, <laughs> well, let, but out of fairness. Let me clarify for, Josh, let me clarify for the people. So after the Lakers win the title um, in Orlando, we're staying out at a hotel that's outside of downtown uh, where we don't usually stay. Usually when the Lakers play Orlando, we stay right in the, in the downtown, which is kind of next to the arena. Mm-hmm. And so the celebration, this the best thing about winning a title when you're on the road is that it's just the team that's there, you know, plus some family members, some, but select family members like of the players themselves. And so I don't know, there were probably no more than 100 people um, in this ballroom celebrating with champagne and beer and everything um, after the Lakers win. And I I found all of these photos in an old uh, in an old like app at the time uh, from my first iPhone. And like so this this night, this is um it's at the same hotel. This is why it was it was crazy. And I'm so I'm at the team hotel for just a couple weeks ago. And then I see around the corner of my head, I see Cherokee Parks first. I'm like, oh, that's there must be one of these like NBA player association meetings. And then I see Josh Powell. And the last time that I saw Josh in Orlando was that night when he's dumping a champagne bottle on my head um, and and vice versa. So I I have all these photos and I find them, Josh, and I, I texted some to you, including all kinds of like Kobe with his daughters and fish and and uh, everybody. But it was uh, it was amazing to kind of relive that being at the scene of the crime like we were. Absolutely. So, Josh, take us back to the start of that season. You signed with the Lakers in 2008. And from the Laker fan perspective, the summer of 2008 is one where the team's coming off the loss in the finals to the Celtics. And the story as we know it is that the team was really locked in and ready for that season. So I'd love to hear your perspective of how you signed with the team, how that all worked out and just what the summer leading up to the start of that season looked like. So I had a three-year deal with the Clippers, and then they released me because I chose not to go to another summer league. It was like it would have been my fiftieth summer league. It was like, <laughs> so it's like it's like what what are we doing? Like um, the, the the interesting thing is I'm I'm super grateful for the Clippers because when I was with that team, because of the injuries and everything else, not because of the the injuries like as far as the players and stuff, but just the opportunity to play. And for the first time, like, cause like I, I started off training camp, everything was great. Um, not sure what happened. You know, Mike Dunleavy was the coach. That's another story. Um, but guys just started falling off left and right. And then you look up and now we only have seven people to play. Mm. And uh, I became a starter. And um, the last two and a half months or so, scratching at three months, um, you know, I'm playing 30 plus minutes. And uh, respectfully during that time, you know, not even being a main option, but I felt like I held my own. I think I was roughly at about 12 and some change with about nine boards scratching at 10 um, during that time. And um, just, you know, really grateful. You know, they had a they had a chance to see me. So it was like we right. did that. And then all of a sudden comes the summer. They're like, oh, we want to see you in summer league again. I'm like, bro, this, uh, this literally right. is going to be my fifth summer league. I'm not like and my agent was like, we're not doing it. So we had a three year deal and they said, you know what? Cool. Like <laughs> they let me go. Like, so crazy. Um but also what was interesting was Ronnie Terrioff decided to take some money and he left mm-hmm. and it literally like opened up a spot. <laughs> so 
my agent doing what he does. Um, shout out to Jamie Knox. Got to give him his flowers. So he set it up. I get a call late. Um, I get a call late. Let's say, for example, the the workout was on a Thursday. I get a call like late Wednesday. I can't remember the day. But it was just late. And it was like, yo, you got to be at the airport first thing in the morning because oh, wow. you got to work out. So I went to bed super late because I, I think I worked out. I went through my, my normal. I worked out. But I think I kicked it. Whatever it was, I'm like off no sleep. So I go to the airport. I catch like a 6 a.m. flight. Didn't eat because I was so tired. So I get to the to the uh, facility for the workout. I hadn't ate nothing. Laced them up, went to it, and got busy. Like went to it, like straight in the workout. It was like it was like four <laughs> of us. Um, you know, you do skill stuff. You do a lot of drills. You know, we play ones, like all of that. So I mean, I get to it, and then uh, literally, like after that, you know, Mitch is like, "Hey, we want to we want to sign you to a two year." Um, partial. I'm like, all right, still earn my keep. Just give me a fair shot. That's all I need. You know what I mean? So that's that's pretty much how that went down. And then there was a lot of things that transpired during training camp, but just being able to keep my head, still go through a lot of the things that 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 was going on during training camp, and uh, earn earn myself a roster to be a part of that team. So that was the start. And obviously it was tense. You could feel the energy in the building because of what happened a couple of months prior to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just coming in, being locked and loaded and ready to go. Of course. And that was Mitch Kupchak, uh, who was the GM at the time. And so that period of time you're talking about, Josh, I I got my first call right around the, like the end of September and then training camp starts in October. And so I come in and my first impression of entering that building, and this is like in the practice setting, is kind of looking over at Kobe Bryant and, and being like, whoa, like this is uh this is serious. Like this, there's no messing around. And I had come from the Minnesota Timberwolves where it just like the Cub website reporter. And at the time, same thing. I was just doing the website stuff. And I had watched that team lose in the finals, but I had also watched that whole run for the Lakers and thinking, well, they get Trevor Ariza back, they get Andrew Bynum back. Um, Josh Powell comes in, a couple of other changes on the back end of the roster. And this is the best team in the NBA. Like this team should win the title. They are the most talented. And but what I I wasn't sure I could account for, Josh, was just being around Kobe in that environment and seeing how that permeated through the rest of the roster. And I I remember specifically because I asked him all the time, like Kobe loved you. He loved the way that you brought your just the professionalism that you would bring to everyday practice. You had been playing in Russia and Italy and all over the place coming out of NC State. So how did you how did you see your journey as meeting that moment and a roster that that Kobe was not messing around that year? Um, and I'm sure there were parts of him that was like that before, but how did you square all that and become a, a player that, you know, sort of Kobe trusted in that context? I think one of the things is, um, treating him and I'm saying this respectfully, but you, you know, not being overwhelmed at the fact that this is Kobe, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm grateful because for me, I've, I have been able to play alongside a lot of stars. You know, my first year in the league, I was, you know, blessed to be teammates with people like Dirk Nowinski and Steve Nash, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, 
You know, in Dallas in 2005, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, Jermaine O'Neal and, you know, Steven Jackson and company and, and, you know, being on the Clippers. Like, you know, Elton Brand, you know, obviously was hurt, but Elton Brand was still a force to be reckoned with. You know, Corey Maggette, Sam, Sam Cassell, like just great veterans and just a mixture like across the board, you know, for my first couple of years. Obviously, Kobe, arguably one of the best to do it. You know what I mean? But I think that growing up in, in the south side of Atlanta, um, playing amongst my peers, knowing what I come from, I carried that type of chip on my on my back. And that was something that I just felt like I always had to prove something to somebody. That that's that's been the nature of my career. You know, doubters, naysayers, he can't do this, why is he here? Blah, 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 blah. And you block the noise, but at the same time, that noise is what drives you and what motivates you each and every day. I know that I belong. I've always said, for me, um, I'm a pro. And it doesn't matter what level. You know, I think a lot of times people get caught up into, oh, you wasn't good enough to make the NBA, but that's not true. As we see it, for those people who watch the game and they love the game, there's people that play all over this world Mm -hmm. that can hoop. And just because you're not in the league does not mean you can't hoop. But I had a chance to feed my family playing a game that I love. So therefore, I always view that as a blessing. And when I came into, um, I remember the first practice, you know, like we we would would bump during the summers and do stuff like that. But I remember the first practice because, you know, that was the first time actually being on the court with, with Kobe. And... You know, I remember there was this one drill and I literally was just eating the glass, like getting every offensive rebound, getting every defensive rebound, like just eating it. He just got to bumping. He barking. So I looked at him. I'm like, bro, all right. And he was like, you know, <laughs> MF for you. Duh, 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 duh. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, I right, bet. So when we ran, we ran like some type of single double and he came off my side and I popped him and he stopped he was like, all right, now you do that again, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be a problem. So I ain't say nothing. I said, cool. Man, run him off again. So I popped him again. But it was just a respect factor because, like, I put my shorts on just like you, bro. And that's that's the only way that I could stay present and be in that moment um, and just staying hungry. But those times, I, I feel, prepared me to play on stages and do things like that. You know, being being a part of like in high school, for example, like we Riverdale versus North Clayton was like a big thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I've seen people get hurt. Like we had brawls, like fights that broke mm-hmm. out, um, you know, stuff like that because of what side of the road you from. So coming up and being in those environments, like prepare me more so for playing with the Lakers, like going overseas and being in those environments. Like, you know, I was asked a question on the interview like two years ago, like what's the craziest environment you've ever been in? And I said, nothing compares to EuroLeague. And I'm, I'm, I say that respectfully. I played in the finals, biggest games, all of that stuff. I've had a chance to, you know, participate and be a part of what we do. But imagine being in a game where bombs are going off, people are shooting flares from one mm. side to the other. Um, you got people that's carrying weapons in in the arena. You running through the tunnel, people poking through the tunnels. Like, you're not experiencing that at an NBA game. Mm-hmm. 
You know, let's let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Like safety is at the utmost at an NBA arena, but overseas, like them people live and die for whatever team that they're on. Mm-hmm. Period. Period. Hands down. So I say all that to say, like, being a part of these moments. And then because I'm always the last guy, I have to make a team. Mm-hmm. So my mentality has to always be different. Like, this is, if I want to be here, what level of sacrificing do I have to do? What, where does my focus need to be? I need to be one of those guys that I can't make mistakes. I have to know the plays. I have to be at the right place at the right time. You, you, I have to be a guy where you say, I don't have to worry about him. And that's what helped me play eight, nine years in the league. That's what helped keep me a job playing professionally for 20 years. Honestly, so, Josh, oh, sorry, please, please. No, 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 that, 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 was, that was it. I felt like I went on a rant. <laughs> no, that was great. No, honestly, Josh, like when you said that, that idea of like being reliable and knowing that you're going to get the job done. Well, Mike was talking like, hey, we might get Josh Powell on the show. Like I was talking just last year about like, you got to have guys like Josh Powell on this pod, on your team, if you want to win because of that level of, uh, of, of care and attention to detail that I love your point about like how that prepared you to play with the Lakers. So let's take a break when we come back. Let's keep talking about that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So the, the Lakers have a different spotlight on them, really, than anywhere else in terms of media coverage and all of that. And that's a different brand of intensity, I think, than what you were talking about in terms of the EuroLeague. Um, and so... But having that attention to detail, I think that, you know, that's something that Kobe always preached in uh, in his career is like the importance of focusing on the little things. And so I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that as a guy that grinded and was just looking for that opportunity and you got it with the Clippers. And then it opens up some some doors for you. You end up with the Lakers of there were nights where you would play. There were nights where you wouldn't play. But when you did, I always knew that when Josh Powell came into the game, like it was going to be held down, whatever the job was. And so from your perspective, that level of intensity required to do that, like 
a lot of people don't understand the day to day of an NBA player's life and how they need to pay attention to those details. What are your thoughts on that or what you needed to do to be ready for those moments? I think that this is a three part message. Um, one message is to the to the fans. I don't like calling them fans, but I'll say supporters. Um, the other message is to uh, people that play the game. And then the other message is to the people that have teammates that fulfill these roles. Um, I remember watching PJ do an interview and he, he, he talked about, um, you know, guys saying that they will be willing to do what he does and, and, you know, the sacrifices that he goes through. And he said, I don't know if any guy would be able to do what I did. And I think he said game six or game, was it game six or game seven? I can't, I can't remember that year. Uh, uh, when the Bucks won it, but basically he said, I played 40 minutes. I didn't take no shots. Probably had a few rebounds, like literally just giving it all on one end of the floor. That's it. And he was like, that's not the sexiest thing to do. You know what I mean? And it's interesting because you have people that will disrespect players that make sacrifices in order to be a part of something special. Um, it's it's it wasn't easy for me because if people had a chance, and I, I feel like Mike may have had a chance to watch some practices, but and and people always say, "Oh, you just a practice player." No, it translates onto the court. Please don't get it twisted. The other thing for me, like I had a chance to play against Hall of Famer, one of the best ever to do it, Paul Gasol. That was my matchup daily on in practice. Mm. Right, that's a tough matchup. My my matchup daily is Lamar Odom. And we talking about Lamar, no. like you, you feel me? Like, yeah. Then, then my other matchup would be Andrew Bynum. Yeah. You know He's what I'm saying? Girl, like man. we, so it's like, I have a chance to bump and grind against some of the best bigs and players to do it in their position every day. I'm getting better for one. Yeah. For two, it ain't just defensively. I get to do my whole thing too on the other end as well. And and a lot of times people overlook a guy because he has DMPs or what's going on with him or he's sorry. Why is he like everybody that makes it to that level can play the game at a high level. You don't you don't get to the league on accident. And I know we can argue and say so and so's this and I hear you, but you still don't get to the league if you don't have a specific or unique skill set that a team loves, even if that's being a really good locker room guy. Mm. There's power in that. I used to I, mean, I used to go back and forth with people on Instagram about Udonis because I feel like he mm -hmm. when you when you talk about the Heat organization, think about this. They've had LeBron, Shaq, D-Wade, Chris Bosh, the list goes on. Great players that's coming to that organization. But who do they talk about? Udonis Haslam. Why does that matter in an NBA locker room? The respect means everything. When, you're, when your teammates and, and people vouch for you, the type of person you are on and off the court, that means more than anything. Mm -hmm. Somebody that can sit behind a computer or whatever and just talk crazy, that, that, ain't, that ain't about nothing. But when you get, when you get your own to, to validate or, or value what you do and what you bring to the table, we don't ask for nothing else. Like, even if you had the big contract, 
it still ain't the same as like your peers being like, nah, Brooklyn who like he he nice for real. Like, please don't get that twisted. So I just want to salute the Patrick Beverly's or the PJ Tucker's or the Bruce Bowen's or the there's a long right. list of guys that are just yeah. they can hoop, but they're great people and they're great for what that team needs. And and it's never enough of that. That's what you were. Uh, and so to circle back on those first couple practices that that I walked into, Josh, what you just said, you do have to actually be, I think, at an NBA practice in that context to to really understand how good the players are, because you, you can even watch a game and there's just there's some level of separation there. But when you when you're actually standing next to somebody um, like you, who's who's six ten, who can jump, who can hit 35, 15 foot jump shots in a row and then go grab a rebound and dunk it like it there is a different respect level but when you you were talking early about that practice with Kobe and how you hit him the second time on that on that screen that is how you got his respect you know and in all those other ways that you mentioned as well but like the fact that you were were willing to stand in we're not going to be pushed off it he was looking for that he was he was using that practice to see can I trust this guy I trust this guy, Josh Powell. I, I know he played for the Clippers last year. He probably watched some tape um, on all of his teammates. But once did you feel, did you get a sense that you had uh, earned his trust at a certain point? And then how did that how did that relationship with Kobe evolve over those next two championship seasons? Oh, man, great question, Mike. Um, I don't really know if it was necessarily about earning his trust as much as it was about building a relationship with the man first. I think to me that was the most important thing because a lot of times you can get caught up into, man, that's Kobe Bryant. You know, that's that's Paul Gasol. That's this one. That's that one. I like to think that, you know, the the more genuine the relationship, the more respect that there is. And um, what we did on the court was what we did. You know, I wanted to make sure I showed up every day. Like we used to talk bad to each other before practice days like that that's why we were as good as we were because of how we practice there there was no secret like I can't speak to the 08 team but the two back to back like the way we practiced every day we were at each other's throat like guys getting ready to fight often mm-hmm. like it was serious like when you went to bed at night and you woke up you knew you had to bring it like no question about it, because what you do in the game is just a byproduct of the work that you've been putting in. That's it. That and that that team played like it. They won sixty five games. You won sixty five. Yeah. We won sixty whatever. You know, we won sixty plus games both years. This the second year was so crazy, and even with uh, I, no, I think it was the first. Was it the first year when we went on like crazy win streaks? It was like something ridiculous. You guys were like twenty. 20- three and two or something like you had some, some crazy, you came out of the gates yeah, real hot. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it was just crazy, but it was like, if people really saw the practices um, and how tense it is. And I know, I, I know I, I was getting ready to go to blows with a few guys, like just based on how hard we was going at each other, you know, Cole would be instigating stuff. Like <laughs> it get it gets intense because, you know, we all got something to prove. I think that's the other thing when you play against great players. And it doesn't matter. It could be the Kobe's of the world. Um, it could be, you know, the, the Dirks of the world. It could be whoever. But when you playing against, you know, great guys, you want to you wanna show them, too, why you belong. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they obviously feel like they're super separated from the pack, which rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But 
no, like, I want you to know I'm on your heels. Like, I don't. And and the other thing, too, is like a lot of guys don't get the opportunity to showcase a lot of the things that they can do. You know what I'm saying? Like, they when gotta you fit look into at, a role, that, you, like, within we, the bigger we team. We yeah. all got to do that. Like, like one of the biggest examples is, uh, uh, is it Pritchard? Am I saying his name right? With Boston? Ben Pritchard. Yeah. So he signed, you know, he signed a good deal. Has has hasn't really had a chance to really play. He's probably playing a little bit more now. I haven't had a chance to watch the Celtics, but when he was going to summer league and he was cooking, they was like, "Wait, who? Where? Where he come from? Like, what's going on with that?" And it's like, I'm telling you, he's there's there's so many guys that that can do that. Walk in the gym on any given day and just go crazy, and and they're just not given a chance because. You gotta you gotta respect what Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown and these other guys are doing. You gotta respect that. So if you want to win, what you gonna do? If if somebody said mm-hmm. I'm gonna pay you ten million dollars to go sit in that corner, but I need you to play defense, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're gonna exactly do that. whatever yeah. that role needs. Yeah, and and that's the thing that I wish that real basketball fans or supporters. If you say you know the game or you're going to speak to the game and act like you know the game, then understand all the different parts that go into it. And every part is just as important. One person can be a bad apple. We can think of people in the league today. I'm not going to say no names, but we can think of people that it's like, what what, what, what y'all doing? You got all the talent in the world, but what you doing? You know what I'm saying? So nobody's exempt from that. And that's the thing, too, just about being a pro. And and being somebody that's reliable, and it's helped me to keep me a job. I, I I I went undrafted. You know what I mean. I was able to get back in twice. Like I was on my way out. I made a roster because they cut uh they cut a a a lottery pick when I when I was with the Pacers, for example. That came from work ethic. That came from being able to show and prove. So. You know, I'm I'm super grateful, like, for those opportunities that I was able to have. Let's take one more break and we'll wrap up our conversation with Josh. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Josh, what are your memories from that 2009 season specifically? As you go through that that year, right? You you're all set up to go on the run that you guys did. You have these intense practices. The games are kind of the manifestation of that. When you think back on that year, what was the ride of that year like? There's a lot of ups and downs. Um, there's there's a lot of personal things that I dealt with. The the pressures of getting to January 15th 
You know, I think yeah, a lot when of your contracts uh, became guaranteed. fully, fully guaranteed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think that, again, people don't understand like what that feels like, the pressure that you got to have. But at the same time, you got to be so even kill that people don't see you sweat. Like you just got to show up every day, work, have the right mentality and, and, and mindset and just, you know, pray to the creator, you know, sprinkle some good dust on it and make sure that everything goes the way that it needs to. But, you know, for me, I had to learn a lot. I had to show up the practices. I I was, you know, getting my work in, um, film work, you know, talking to not not just Kobe, but, you know, I talked to D Fish a lot about certain things. I would pick Powell's brain, um, you know, in regards to the game of basketball or even life, you know, conversations with Lamar, conversations with Luke. Um, man, it's a long list, you know what I mean? Like just vibing with everybody on the team and and just being able to show up, you know. And, and, and I remember um, moments here and there. I remember I had a moment with Denver. Um, Got a chance to play because, you know, I wasn't playing much, but I think something happened with power. Somebody got in some foul trouble. It was like two of the bigs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, came off the bench and, like, had three dunks, like six rebounds, couple blocks, like, in limited time. You were ready. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. it's just – but I also remember other games where it may not have been that, right? Right. But just still being able to be effective. Like, people got to understand, like – just getting buckets is not the only way you can contribute to a team or the success of it. And there were plenty of games I might have had zero points, four rebounds, you know, a steal, a block or something. But it was meaningful, you know, meaningful minutes. And then um, I can't remember if it was the first year. What, what year was that? No, it had to have been the first year because Trevor was there. But remember we got into that uh, situation in Portland. Refresh my memory. It's not coming back to me. So it was like a scuffle, and Lamar got suspended for a game. Yes. And yes. Um, and you started the next game. I remember I you started, started the game. My yes. only start with the Lakers because we went to Houston. It was Big a double game. double in Houston. Houston. I remember that. I was that telling was Mike in, about this before the pod. Seven, 17 and March, 10. Yeah. And it was like, it was yes, like, listen. If, if they, took, I, hey, they took they took your double double away. They only gave you nine rebounds, which I'm oh, still mad about. Okay. But yes, so no. that's messed up. But seventeen to nine. Those are the moments for me that I'm like, I prove myself if I'm given a fair opportunity. Mm-hmm. And how many guys will be able to have that success if they had a fair opportunity? I, yeah, I came it, in the league, all, you know, at a time where it was like Avery Johnson told me. Don't shoot. Don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, Cause Lord. we got dirt. We got this. <laughs> like, so it's like, you can't, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Yeah. That that was how my career started. Sure. And then you look at guys today that it's the, the game has changed and you got guys coming off the bench, getting 15 easily, right. 20 easily that like right. back in our day, like if you was hooping, if you got between eight to, to 10 points, maybe 12 yeah. coming off the bench. Low scoring era for sure. What do you think about today's game, Josh? I respect it um, because I respect change. Um, are the players more skilled? You know, are they more athletic? Yes, the game is evolving. Um, but the IQ, if I could be honest, you know, guys making the right plays, doing the right things, I don't see that as much. I think that that's really a struggle. Mm-hmm. 
and then the separation, right? People praise LeBron, rightfully so. People praise Steph, rightfully so. Pre people praise KD, rightfully so. But when you look at them and you look at the attention to detail, what is the separation factor? It's this. When people say the game is 80% mental and 20 physical, they won't get it until they turn 30. Mm. Right? Because now you have to do things a lot different. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to move in a way or because those guys are quicker. They're doing all kind of stuff. Like, don't right. get me wrong. I've seen a few times LeBron standing straight in the spot that he was at. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you know, KD st standing still. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But over a game span, even defensively, you see these guys. Like, you'll see LeBron lock somebody down at 38. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll see guys making effort because they know the game so well that they have such a great feel, and that's why they had the success that they have. Like, well, Steph is going crazy right now. Mm -hmm. So, Josh, you mentioned that that uh, that Portland and then at Houston in that game that you came in. And what, one of the things I loved about that team, Phil Jackson was really big on kind of on the cohesion of the different of the units and the starters basically stayed the same and almost everybody stayed healthy. And then you would come in and it'd be with Luke Walton and Jordan Farmar and, and Sasha like and you had he wouldn't always put, you know, two of the starters with you. He trusted you to go out and kind of do your job and get it done. So that that's why I thought that was part of how you fit so well into this, though, your mindset, the way that you spoke about yourself, the, thinking about being a professional. There aren't there aren't a ton of guys that can do that uh, that that do that in that role. Um, so I and, and as Pete was saying, hey, what do you remember about that season? I mean, you had the Kobe sixty one at MSG. You started out fourteen and one, uh, and and you meanwhile you're thinking about your contract guarantee. Then you get to that point. Team is still winning. You get to the playoffs, dust Utah off pretty easily. Then Houston actually beats you a couple times when it it it, it was almost in a surprising way, um, and eventually, of course, we you get to the Orlando uh, moments and Kobe's game six in Denver. I listed a bunch there intentionally because, like, is does anything spark to you whether you were on the court or watching a moment um, that stood out? And then we got to follow up with one about the next title season too. But is there any story or or something inside the team, whether it was Kobe or Powell or yourself? Uh, that stands out amidst that run. So the other thing that I want to share too, like respectfully is like, you know, the relationship that I had at the time, um, you know, I had to, I had to attend my wife's uh, mother's funeral at the time. Oh man. You know, me and me and her weren't in the best of space during that year because uh, she felt that I wasn't as supportive. But meanwhile, I'm fighting for a job, but she's like, you need to be, here with me with my right. mom. You know what I'm saying? Like right. this is it's a lot, lot of pressure. I'm going That's through tough. a very vicious custody case at the time. Like I was I was dealing with life. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not complaining about it. But and, just, and I had no idea. And, yeah. and I would talk to you basically every day yeah. and you never brought that up. Yeah. And you were just you came to work and you and so you had all these thoughts of your personal life. Meanwhile, you're talking to me about the game and hip hop. And so you absolutely were, you were, uh, that's incredible. You're able to compartmentalize like because that. you're you're my guy, Mike. And, you know, I love you dearly. You know what I'm saying? But it was like I found all the little things that I enjoyed about that team, that organization and about, you know, uh, uh people that were part of that organization that that made it special um 
the the 61 was great, but let me tell y'all something. The week of practice that he had prior to that 61 was even crazier. Mm. So when he did the 61, it was just like, and it's cold being cold. Like the more I learned and watched, the more I understood. Um, Cause I remember that week, it was a tough week for Wilson Chandler, right? LeBron, I think came in first. I think LeBron might've had almost 50. <laughs> and I think uh, Paul Pierce came in and had like 40 something, or it might've been a role reversal. It might've been, Paul had 40-something, LeBron had 50, and then Cole was up next. <laughs> so you watch you watch people that pay attention to stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because these players are really paying attention to each other. Um, I, I remember, you know, team gatherings that we had. I remember, I think that was the year um, that Kobe came to my high school, I think. I think it was that year. Um, and I presented a check when we played against uh, the Hawks. And, and they did that on game day. Him and D. Fish came to Riverdale, Georgia, come to, came, to, came to Riverdale High School, excuse me, um, to help me present a check to, to my school. He didn't have to do that. He could have awesome. prepared for a game. But I look at moments like that that showed why we were the team that we were because it was bigger than just on the court. Like, Guys really had relationships, you know, and guys really, you know, dealt with each other as 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 brothers would, you know, and I'm super grateful. I, I just talked to Trevor probably like two weeks ago, like Trevor, you know, what I'm saying me and Trevor always been been tight. I love I love Trevor. I, you know, what I'm saying I'm super grateful for him. Um, these things are just, you know, just really important. You know what I mean? I talk to Meta. I still, I still talk to to Meta. You know what I mean? I I probably call him sometime today just to check on him. Um, but but it's just great. You know, I talk to Powell often, um, especially after you know him being honored. I wanted to do a better job and be a better brother just by checking in. You know what I mean? Yeah. With with, all, with yeah. everybody. You know, Lamar. Like, just if I got your number, I'm gonna try to reach out and do my part. So I think those were the things that were, were more important. I think guys appreciate it if you treat them like brothers versus what they do. And, um, you know, those help make the, the, the bonds that are close and, you know, the bonds that you see today. Well, I think you guys got uh, hopefully a good idea of why everybody loves Josh Powell, uh, <laughs> including myself and, and having him on here. I, I hope, uh, Josh, we can have you back on because there's so much more we have to get to. I know Pete's yeah. probably got 100 questions just about the next season um, and about later in your career and about what you're doing now. Um, yeah. One of the reasons why I, I saw you in Orlando because you're speaking to NBA players and trying to help them, you know, uh, help guide them in certain ways for the Players Association. So well, hopefully we can get you back on sometimes, my man. I'm willing to come on whenever. Hey, before we get off, though. Y'all yeah. make sure y'all check your boy out, man. Go go ahead and. Uh, so it's called What I Wish I Knew. What I wish I knew. So, you know, that we're on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You got audiobooks um, and all that, Josh? Not yet. I'm working on I'm working on it as, as right. fast as I can. But uh hey, but I but I'll Josh, tell you let me this. get that. Let me do that voiceover for you on the book. I, I got I, you. do you? <laughs> If, if you need, if you need hey, one, we're I mean, I think, here on the LFR pod. I think Let's it would, go. Look, I think it would. I would like to hear it in your voice. But yes. if you need, if you need a second version, um, certainly happy to do that. Man, but I, hey, give me the name of the book one more time and where people can find it. What I wish I knew, and you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes and Nobles. And the thing that I want to say is, 
I know a lot of people are like, you know, I'd rather have it in audio or this or that. I was intentional by making it a super easy read. No, but, I, hey, right. I like to have the book in my hand. I like to have a hard copy uh, audio. I do podcasts, but I like to I like to have the book in my hand and um, I'm ordering one right now. I'm, I'm actually I'm upset you didn't send me one, but I'm, I'm ordering one right now. <laughs> I, I got you, my brother. I, I feel like you shared a lot of what I wish I knew uh, wisdom on this pod too. So thank you for that, Josh. <laughs> Sorry, one last thing, Josh. What are you up to these days? For the, those of us who want to keep up with you, man, what do you, you just wrote a book? What else you got going on? I know you've done some coaching. Are you still involved in basketball? So working with the Players Association, I still play. Uh, do the big three. Um, that's during the summer. Uh, I just you know dropped this book. And uh, I have a, I actually have a podcast called Relationships Matter. We just got picked up on In the Black Network. So our first show, I'm gonna send it to I'm gonna send it to Mike so we can send it to you. All right. Um, we actually did an interview with Stephen Jackson. Very powerful interview. Very powerful. So y'all check it out. Show us some love. Give us some good ratings. Okay, my man did a shirt change. I love it. Like I've never seen anything like it, but. I'm rolling with it, um, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna send that to y'all. So just let me know what you think, and I'm just trying to grow and just be positive and and just stay the course. Really appreciate your time and and wisdom, Josh. Thank you so much. Um, all right, got a couple games this weekend. We will be back on Monday to talk about them. Uh, back in the present day, but it was nice to take a trip down memory lane. All right, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the score. move. Two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nady Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.